0: Welcome back to the Woven Well podcast as we continue discussing polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS. Last week, we dove into what PCOS is, what symptoms you may have if you have it, how to officially be diagnosed, and what treatment options are available. And one of the things we mentioned that can have a large effect in improvement of symptoms and the condition itself is nutrition. So it's only right that we take a closer look at nutrition this week, since it's an effective treatment option available to all of us. So to help us do that, I've invited registered dietitian Tracy Mann to share with us today. Tracy has been a practicing registered dietitian for 15 years and has dedicated the last five years of her practice, everyday nutrition to women's hormonal health. So welcome, Tracy. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Me too. Me too. So last week I shared how the exact cause of PCOS isn't known, but genetics are probably what play a huge role in it. So still PCOS is known to progress or regress over a woman's life, depending on lifestyle and treatment options. And at Woven Natural Fertility Care, we are all about increasing the quality of life through reproductive health, regardless of whether a woman is ready to have a baby. So we think it matters now. So I'm really curious to hear today, how can nutrition play a role in that?
1: Well, I love talking about this topic because I think oftentimes um, PCOS is categorized into that reproductive segment, Um, but actually PCOS is also an endocrine syndrome. And so um, the endocrine system is largely responsible for how we process nutrients, but also we utilize tons of nutrients to manage a lot of our endocrine um, processes. Um, and then reproductive health is kind of a bigger picture of how um, how all of these play a role together. And so that's how we also then can get some of those reproductive symptoms, um, like infertility or um, irregular cycles. So when we think
0: about, I guess, when we think about the endocrine system, nutrition can play a large role in that is what you're saying?
1: Yes. So probably one of the biggest endocrine processes that people would fam- be familiar with is metabolism. Mm. Um, so metabolism is how we get energy from the foods that we eat. Um, and it also, it requires certain nutrients to be um, at an optimal level, functioning at an optimal level.
0: Okay. So how we think about what we eat and how often we eat these things or you know, any of the specifics that you're going to share with us today can have a direct effect on the endocrine system, which then will have a direct effect on how our body is adjusting the androgens. In our yes. system or the overall health as well? Okay, great. Yes. Well, I'm yes. excited to learn more about it then. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, what does eating for PCOS look like then? Because does it mean cutting out all sugar? Does it mean being dairy free or gluten free? or keto, intermittent fasting. I feel like we've heard everything under the sun in the last couple of years. There's a little bit of everything out there. So what what does it look like?
1: Are these things what we need to be doing? So it's kind of a complex situation, obviously, because I always remind my clients that every body is different. Um, And so I think for for the large majority of, of practitioners out there and influencers, they've got to have this like, you know, neon sign of something that's going to be the helpful, um, the helpful recommendation to help improve signs and symptoms of PCOS. But what I've found, um, not only just in practice, but in all the extensive research that I've done, and also my background and my training as a dietitian in general. Um, just really looking at how our bodies are designed physiologically. Um, I don't think that any of these things are necessarily going to help every person. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to kind of touch on some of the key ones that you said and kind yeah. of talk through um, how it may be helpful or how it may be not helpful. Perfect. <laughs> um, so let's just start with the sugar piece because um with the PCOS affecting endocrine function um, and then endocrine dysfunction can also enhance symptoms of PCOS. One of the, the big issues that my clients have is something called insulin resistance. Um, And so I think because of that, um, a lot of, um, a lot of information out there is just cut sugar and it'll be fine. Um, The reason that is, is because when we consume sugar or any type of carb, really, we have to, um, our insulin has to spike to process it. And if we have insulin resistance, then that process isn't working optimally. The thing is, our body still can um, utilize some of that sugar um, in set amounts. And when we pair it with protein and fat, so I always tell my clients, you're welcome to try cutting sugar. Um, but I find it a very difficult lifestyle to to live with. And so I would rather educate on, you know, how much can the body um, tolerate at one time? Um, and how can we make it work for you so that you don't feel like you have to completely cut out sugar?
0: That's great. I yes. like that you said, too, it's about making a realistic plan for each person, because yes. cutting out sugar sounds great in theory, but that's very difficult to do. Yes. (laughs) So I like that making it approachable.
1: Yes. And that's where, um, you know, some people that I work with, they they haven't had sugar in years. They just that's not a lifestyle that they live. Um, But then I have other people who consume lots of sugar. And so rather than completely cut that, we try to figure out an amount that's appropriate. Um, And I would never tell somebody who isn't already consuming a lot of sugar to start doing it, you know. (laughs) 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 Um, But the other important side of that, too, is um, there are different types of sugars. It's not all just white sugar and corn syrup and those types of things. And so um, I really think it's helpful when when women start learning what are the different sources um, and, and knowing how the body processes different types of sugars differently.
0: That's great. Okay, yep. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Keep keep no, going down good. your list. No, so the there. good
1: news is you don't have to cut it. <laughs> yes, that's good. Um, but learning an appropriate amount is helpful. Um, Gluten free and dairy free are huge. I have always tons of clients come to me say I, I tried it and it didn't work, or I've read that I need to do it and it's so hard to do. So here's my big things with these two items. Um, there are about thirty percent of women who do have a negative reaction to dairy um, and we aren't always sure exactly the reason it could be an issue with um, the, the proteins in dairy or it could be um, the lactose, but 30% of women, that's a pretty good number of women. Um, and so the big signs and symptoms I see that cutting dairy could be helpful with specifically skin issues like cystic acne which can be problematic with PCOS. Um, part of that is due to the androgen, um, the elevated androgens, and sometimes it's due to estrogen. So um, sometimes with that it's just seeing how you feel. Another one is just chronic allergy-like symptoms like postnasal drip or maybe kind of a stuffy, almost feeling like your sinuses are kind of swollen. That's another symptom of a dairy sensitivity. With gluten, it's going to be um, things like digestive problems, um, also uh, sleep difficulties and brain fog. Yeah, okay. so if you just feel like you're chronically groggy or just have trouble focusing, um, or if you know some clients also have issues with their thyroid, which is part of that endocrine functioning. Um, if you have thyroid issues, cutting gluten can be helpful with those as well.
0: Okay, so only if your body is giving you those signs that dairy or gluten specifically may be giving you an issue, should you maybe try to reduce those things. It's not just if you think you have PCOS, you need to be gluten free or dairy
1: free. Correct. Yep. It's looking at what are your specific signs and symptoms. And then um, if anyone is listening and is curious, maybe you just don't even know. Um, What I have clients do is just try to eliminate gluten and dairy for 30 days. And then at the end of that 30 days, add one of them back, then wait a week and add the other one back. So you can kind of see, sometimes we don't notice that we're feeling better until we add them back in. And then we're like, oh, I was feeling better. Um, And some people add them back in and they're like, I feel exactly the same. And I say, good, because that means you can go back to eating those things. Um, And that's something I help clients do too, um, because it can be um, overwhelming and difficult to stick to without a little bit of guidance and accountability.
0: Absolutely. So it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all, but I'm sure there are some things that anyone who suspects they have PCOS could, you know, do. So what should we be focusing on
1: nutritionally? So... I, I like to talk about a nutritional foundation. So there's all these little nitpicky things that we can do, um, trying to figure out if there's foods we react to or or these types of things. But when we look at the foundation of nutrition, what we are trying to do is manage our blood sugar and our insulin and also manage our stress responses in the body. Hmm. So, um, I actually, if anyone wants to visualize this, I like to, um, make it into a graphic of a of a triangle. So your foundation is the bottom of your triangle. And that's insulin and cortisol. Those are two hormones in the body that we don't think about, we just usually think about our sex hormones. Um, The middle of the triangle is our adrenal glands and our thyroid. And the top of our triangle is our sex hormones. And so if we have dysfunction at the foundation, we're also going to start experiencing dysfunction at the other two levels. Um, and when we realize this, it actually starts to become a lot easier to um, use nutrition to manage our symptoms because we want to manage that insulin response through um, just not eating too much of any types of foods at one time. And then we also wanna manage the stress response in the body. Um, and there are stressors obviously that are harder to control, but the one that we can control is fueling our body properly. Um, And that actually can go back to how intermittent fasting can, um, can affect our signs and symptoms of PCOS, because the body is designed to be fueled every um, four to five hours throughout the day when we're awake. Um, And if we're going too long, then that puts stress on the body. Um, And so Really, I I work foundationally on the timing of eating just to start with.
0: Well, I love that you're talking about cortisol because I talk a lot with my clients about (laughs) how stress can affect the reproductive system. So (laughs) it is important to think about cortisol plays a very important function in our bodies, but it's supposed to be used in a very specific way. And so- I love that you're talking about eating to respect that and working within that healthy range of that stress hormone, which is really important. Okay. Well, I'm really curious too about, you know, you sort of talk about the timing of eating. Is there a time first thing in the morning or last thing at night that's sort of too early or too late or, you know, I'm just kind of throwing this out there, but I'm curious about that.
1: Yes. So foundationally, I recommend that you eat within an hour of waking. Because once we kind of wake up, start using our brains, start using our bodies, our cells need energy coming in. And if we go about an hour after waking without eating, we're going to spike that cortisol and that whole stress response. So eating within an hour of waking is a great way to reduce stress on the body at the cellular level. And then after you eat that first meal or snack and You know that's individualizable (laughs) based on the person. Um, After you eat that first time, then try not to go longer than four or five hours without eating again. And then try to be done eating around seven or eight p.m. so that your body can go through a natural overnight fast, which is how the body was designed. Um, We, it's okay to fast when it's overnight because um, we're sleeping and we're resting and we don't need that energy coming in.
0: Okay. Very helpful. And yeah. obviously through everything you said today, it is best to work with someone to provide you with very specific guidance on your situation, your goals, whatever they are. But could all of these things be helpful for someone to begin even before they seek out some sort of medicinal support, if they do have PCOS and maybe they need to take metformin for insulin resistance, or they're considering trying Femera or Clomid or something for ovulation induction, would all of this be helpful first?
1: Absolutely. Like I said, this is foundational nutrition. um, And I think, honestly, every woman could benefit from it, whether they have PCOS or not. And so Um, Even if you're waiting on an appointment, you could start incorporating these or I have a lot of clients who are trying to avoid starting medication. Mm -hmm. um, And so they're just trying a few more things before they get to that point. Um, And I've had a lot of clients um, reduce the need or even eliminate the need for medications over time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So for someone
0: who is listening, who suspects that they have PCOS or maybe they've already been diagnosed, it can feel a little bit overwhelming to hear, okay, I've got to do all this stuff at once, whether they're hearing about medicine or they're hearing about the dietary changes they need to make. So from your perspective, what would you recommend as the best baby step to begin with?
1: The first baby step that I have clients do is just work on that timing of eating. Okay. I say it doesn't matter what you eat, when you eat, but if we can work on that timing, so eating within the first hour of waking and then not going more than four or five hours um, between meals and snacks. Um, and if you feel like, you know what, actually I do a pretty good job because some people already, that is kind of natural for them. The next thing you could start working on is just focusing on one meal of the day. And just focus on how can I get the most nutrients in at this meal?
0: That's great. That is very realistic and very doable. Because even if someone doesn't know the difference between carbohydrates and protein and fat, they can put a timer on their phone. Yes. (laughs) So that's very realistic. I love that. I love that. So we may have some people listening who are ready to take that step and they may be interested in working with you. So how would be the best way for them to contact you?
1: The best way is through our website. It's everydaynutritionllc.com. There's a contact form on there um, and it sends it to our email um, so that's probably the easiest, and it gives a little bit more information about what we do and um, just, yeah, answers some questions before ever even
0: reaching out. Okay. Well, wonderful. EverydayNutritionLLC.com. That's great. Yeah. Um, And for anyone listening, Tracy and I are also going to host a webinar workshop together next month in June 2022 on the benefits of charting and dietary choices for women with PCOS. So if you like today's episode and you'd like to hear more from Tracy and I on this subject and how to get a real picture of your reproductive health while addressing PCOS in your body from a nutritional focus we invite you to email me at caitlin at wovenfertility.com and i'll be sure to give you some additional details there so tracy thank you so much for joining and being on
1: today it was fun thanks so much
0: i agree very fun and thank you all for listening as we continue to explore together what it means to be woven well